Then the hand. This one. There you go. Okay. I already took care of the microphone so I can go on and talk about the world God. That's perfect. <laughs> thank you, Pastor Kerry. I want to take this opportunity too to uh, thank you for uh, your leadership, your example. It has been a wonderful journey for me to be able to uh, sit under your leadership. And you're such a, an encouragement. And uh, it really inspires me to continue in my walk with the Lord. So I just want to thank you for everything you've done and you will continue to do. God bless you. Talking about thanking and gratefulness, I had had the opportunity to travel pretty much around the world and I learned that there's a couple of words that you need to learn if you want to be safe, if you want to feel comfortable in other cultures. And, you know, words like hello, just basic hellos, or where uh, police, help, right? Or the restroom, where is the restroom? Those are words that you need to learn in different languages, but there's one particular word that I find very, very helpful when you travel to other places, when you interact with people from other cultures, and that's the word thank you. And I just wanna see how many people know different ways of saying thank you in different languages. I have learned about nine or ten ways of saying thank you in different languages. So I want to see if anyone else has any other way of saying thank you. But obviously, in Spanish, you say thank you, you say gracias. Ah, there you go. No, we're, going, we're doing that really well. In French, you say merci. Okay. In German, you say danke. Okay. In Italian, you say gracia, gracia. In Portuguese, do you say Obrigado. Ah, now it's getting more difficult, right? Let's, another easy one. In Japanese, you say, Arigato. Arigato. In Chinese, you say, Cheche. Cheche. In Arab, you say, Shukran. In Thai, anybody knows how to say thank you in Thai? You say, Kapunkap. And I, don't, I cannot miss this one because my wife is from the Philippines. If I don't say it in Tagalog or Filipino, I'm going to get in trouble. So that's salamat. It feels good to receive or to give gratefulness, right? It feels really good when somebody says thank you to you for what you've done. But at the same time, it feels horrible when somebody does not recognize your efforts. Has it ever happened to you that you go to the store and you're very focused about you, what you've been doing, and then you open the door for someone that is coming in, and they're just walking like, I am the king of England, <laughs> right? They don't even look at you, they don't even say thank you, and you're like, oh, all that effort that I did to open that door, and this person didn't even care about what I did. So you know, gratefulness and ungratefulness create these emotions in us. Let me tell you a story about what happened to me about three years ago. Three years ago, I got into an accident. I was on a mission trip in Mexico City, and I 
was kind of like pushed from the stairs going down, and I broke my leg, my right ankle. Never before in my life I needed to depend on people, maybe when I was a little baby, yes, right? But I was always very independent to do anything I needed to do. But the moment I was in a wheelchair, and I was kind of like bound into this situation, I, I like my face because regardless of what happened to me, I was still very joyful, very happy. <laughs> that, I just came out of the surgery room, and I learned to depend a lot on people when you are in this kind of circumstance. You know, I learned to say thank you for very simple things from getting a glass of water or for someone to help you to like get in the car or something. I, I tell you, I, from, day, from day one after the accident, I wanted to be very independent. I didn't want to depend on anybody. So I started driving with my left foot on the third day after the accident. And that was quite a challenge. But you know what? I also did some commitments previous to my accident. So there was a friend of mine who said, I need you to come over to my hometown and perform, I'm going to say the Kerry's, Pastor Kerry's favorite word in Spanish, a quinceañera. <laughs> I want you to come over and I want you to officiate, uh, do a little service for the quinceañera of my daughter. So I say that, I say yes to that a year before. Not knowing I was going to break my leg, not knowing that I needed to like challenge myself, but the situation was that this event was happening in another state. I needed to get in a plane. I had a new scooter, right? And I was on the new scooter, and I got on the plane. I got to that little town outside uh, this big city, and when I got there, I find out I don't have a place to sleep. There's no accommodations arranged for me. So I went on and did my thing. You know, I did the service for the quinceañera and all that. You know, I did not enjoy the, the party. Everybody was dancing, and I was just there on my new scooter with like, okay, you know. And at the end of everything, I said, I need to find a hotel. And they said, well, there's a hotel right there close to the freeway. And oh, my gosh, what that I, I will tell you. This hotel don't even have one star rating. It was like probably one of the worst hotels I ever stayed in my whole life. I get there and they say, well, we kind of like book. And I was like, what book? Who wants to stay in this place? And they say, we only have rooms in the second floor and we don't have an elevator. So I have to like get, you know, the lady helped me to bring my scooter to the second floor and I like jumping and trying to get to the room. And when I get to the room, it was so bad. The restroom was, the bathroom was not even handicap ready. I mean, it was a challenge, and I, by the end of the day, I was so upset. I was so like, how come people be so ungrateful? I did all these things. I sacrificed myself. I even have to stay in this very ugly hotel. And in reality, I felt that I was not being appreciated. I felt that my effort, my sacrifice, my everything that I have to do to make this happen was not taken into consideration. And you know what? So many times we feel that way. I'm sure that all of us have had a story like that, where you have given so much to somebody. You have probably invested your time, your talents, your money, your, you know, you have sacrificed things 
in order to help someone else. And then that person, they never say thank you to you. There was not this sense of, this sense of ungratefulness can make us feel very disappointed. Make us, it also makes us question, why is it that we're doing? Is it really worth to do something for someone that needs something when they're not going to say thank you to me? But you know what? I'll tell you this. That is our human nature. That is our sinful nature. Because when I was praying about what will I share to the church this morning, I said, this is what's great because we were thanking Pastor Kerry for what he has done. Thanking all the pastors and the leadership and thanking you for being so faithful with the Lord. But I was thinking, Lord, show us how we should be more like you, Jesus. Show us your heart and allow us to understand what needs to be changed in us. And that will bring us into um, an amazing story. Let me give you a little bit of background of what I will share to you today. And it's probably a story that you already know or you're familiar with or you're probably here before. But this story is a little bit about, sometimes we miss the point about what the story is really about. Jesus' ministry on this earth lasted for about three years and a half. He called some men to become his disciples. They left everything behind to follow him. And there was a time in the ministry of Jesus that he was very popular. Everybody wanted to see him. He has been performing miracles. There has been casting out of demons. There's been so many wonderful things that he's been doing. But at the end of these three years and a half, he knew his time was coming up. He knew that he needed to go back to this place called Jerusalem, where he needed to be in a certain time of the year so he can be put onto that cross. What a horrific image. Although he knew what was going to happen, even until the last moment, he never stopped blessing and doing something for someone else. So let me take you, and if you have your Bibles, you can follow with, uh, also with the scripture. We're going to go into Luke chapter 17, verses 11 to 12. And this is a story that is called Jesus Heals the Ten Lepers. The Bible says in 11 and 12, verse 11 and 12 of Luke chapter 17, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus Travel along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And it says, and he was going into a village. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. As I say, this is at the end of, this, of the ministry of Jesus on this earth. And he is traveling along this border between these two regions. The region of Samaria and Galilee. But he is heading into Jerusalem, a place where he knows that he is going to be. He's going to be mocked. He's going to be accused. He's going to be hurt. He's going to be taken into that cross. He was going to die. But he knew that he was going to be buried. And he knew that he was going to be raised. But even though he knew this was going to happen, even though he knew that this was a moment in time, we see that there's this interaction. As he's walking into this village, there are ten men 
who had this very bad illness. Leprosy. Let me show you a picture of what leprosy looks like. And this picture was taken in India in 2021. The man that we're seeing here has been dealing with leprosy for a couple of years. And as you can see, this disease is already taking the toll on his life. Missing some fingers. Skin bumps all over the place. His looks and his face shows the heaviness of the illness, the disease in him. If you Google leprosy, you will find more pictures that are way more horrific than this one. People with leprosy will lose their nose, their ears, cartilage. It's a highly infectious disease. Actually, as I was researching about this leprosy, I found out that it's a contagious, contagious disease that affects the skin, the mucous membranes, and nerves, causing discoloration and lumps on the skin, and in severe cases, disfigurement and deformities. Leprosy is now mainly confined to tropical areas in Asia. However, in the United States alone last year, there were over 20,000 cases. It's not a thing of the past. There's still something that's still going on today. And you know what? When we go into, into the scripture and we see the condition of a leper, the lepers were pretty much cast away by the law. They were put into these colonies. They were put in there. And many times, they never got out of that colony. You, can you think about what will be like if all of a sudden you wake up one morning and there is something growing on your arms? And you're like, did a mosquito bite me? Bed bugs? Poison ivy? And you go and you show yourself to the doctor. In that case, that was the priest. And the priest will say, you have leprosy. You need to be cast away. You have to leave your hometown, your family, your job, your church, everything that you love, everything you care for, all the securities that you have in life are taken away from you in one second. Just because you were infected with this disease. That was the condition of the lepers. The lepers were cast away. And not only that, we'll see this in Luke chapter 17, verse 12 to 13. It says... They stood up at a distance and called call out on a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. You know what? When I was reading this, I have to go back to Leviticus chapter 13, verses 45 and 46, because there it tells us why they have to start, stood up in the distance. And it says, anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkept, cover the lower part of their face and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. Can you imagine what will be like 
to have a, such a condition that anywhere you go, you have to scream, unclean, unclean. Can you imagine what we like to be completely taken out from everything you love? That's exactly what happened to these 10 lepers. And that's why they were shouting from far away. And the 10 of them were shouting, have pity on us, Jesus, Master, help us. We need to be restored. There's this paradox between leprosy and sin. It's kind of like the same thing. Many times, many times we feel that we cannot be close to God or close to Jesus because we feel that our sin is taking us apart from Him. That we cannot even come to Him because of all the bad things that we have done. But look at what happens next. It says in Luke chapter 17, verse 14, when he saw them, Jesus, he said, hmm, go and show yourselves to the priest. Why did he say that? Because during that time, priests were the ones that were given the assessment. They were the ones that were diagnosing the condition of people. And Jesus knew that once the priest will give the okay, they can be restored or not. So he tells them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Now, we do not know if they were cleansed immediately or if this happened once they arrived to the priest. We don't know exactly the time frame. But what we know for sure is that the ten of them were completely healed. Isn't that amazing? And this shows me something so beautiful about Jesus. Jesus' grace and mercy and love and care and healing is for everyone. For anyone that has put their faith in him. The lepers believed that he, they can be healed. They knew when he was passing by because they have here. They have here all the stories. They were expecting to see Jesus coming through their town. And they believed. And isn't that so amazing to see how God will even respond to our needs, even though when we don't deserve them? Isn't that so amazing to see Jesus love that there is occasions and times that we can be forgetful about what he has done for us, but still he continues to be faithful over and over and over and over again. It is so amazing to see how, although he knew their hearts, because the word of God says that he knows all men's hearts, and he knows that hearts of men are deceiving, he, even, he, didn't, even need, he didn't even stop to say, wait a minute, I'm just going to make sure that the guy that is very nice to me is going to get what he's asking. Imagine if he would have done that to Judas. <laughs> Even though he knew that he was going to be betrayed, he allowed him to sit down in the same table with him in the Last Supper. He washed his feet before that. Because he's God. Because he's perfect. And after they were all healed, I can only imagine how happy they felt. 
Haven't you ever feel happy when you've been praying about something? Something that you really needed. And God answered that prayer. I really need that job, Lord. I really need that house. I really need that wife. That's husband. I really want that kid, Lord. Please heal me. How do we get so happy? But I feel sometimes we get too happy that we can forget who gave us the blessings. Sometimes we just focus on the now and what we just got that it's easy to forget who was the one that gave us that. Maybe he said that we need to ask God to change our hearts. Because thinking about it in a moment of life and place, we were all like the ten lepers. I was like the ten lepers. Standing from far away. Oh God, if you please allow me to come to the United States, oh Lord, oh just I'll make a deal with you. Oh, I will quit doing this thing. So if you give me that, please, if I can get that job. Oh, yes. And then sometimes I will just forget about who he has, who has blessed me so much. But look at what happens here. This is the most amazing thing that we see in this part of the scripture. Because Luke chapter 17, verse 15 says, one of them, say with me, one of them. When he saw that he was healed, came back. How many were there? How many came back? That left nine behind, right? Is that the right map? <laughs> One of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back. And he praised God in a loud voice. And it says there that he threw himself at Jesus' feet, and thank him. And he was not even a Jew. He was not even the guy that everybody expected that needed to say thank you to Jesus. He was a Samaritan. Someone that was already kind of cast out. Considered second-class citizen of Israel. Someone that was not pure because of what their ancestors have done. Mixing themselves with pagans. Someone that kind of like understood the law halfway or tried to figure out what really God was saying. Kind of like that woman that was at the well when Jesus came by. And she goes there in the middle of the day because she doesn't want to be part of everybody's talk. And she finds out that there is a man there that offers her something that will stop her to be in thirst. Thirsty, that it will stop her to feel ashamed. She was a Samaritan. But God's grace was for everybody. And then Jesus answers. And this question that he brings back is, 
mind-blowing because when he sees this man bowing down, and by the way, when we see this, that he's bowing down, we're talking about he was worshiping him. Comes from this Greek word proskroneo. He was really completely surrendered, surrendered to him, saying, You are God. You are the one that did this for me. But then Jesus asked him, We're not all ten cleans. Where are the other nine? Everybody got what they wanted, but only one came back. And that's you. You are the grateful one. And then he brings this question. It's kind of like remembering there is not only the two of them in this scene, but there is a lot of people around them. And I'm, I'm even thinking by then, this man did not feel unclean anymore, obviously, because he was healed, and he was already in the crowd. And he raises his voice, and Jesus says, has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? The less expected one. But look at what he says here. He said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has healed you. Your faith has delivered you, restored you. What a beautiful image of the man that felt completely cast away. When he was in a point in life where he felt that nothing else can happen to him. That all he needed to do was to wait to die in the company of others that were in the same condition. But oh my God. Jesus was so good to even say, I could be so upset that the other 99 came back. I could be like anyone else, but I'm not. I am showing you that I love everyone. The grace is for everybody. And you know what? It just reminds me. Sometimes we think, we think about it and just say, God, when was the last time that I was really, truly grateful for what you've done in me? Sometimes we go through the motions, right? Wake up, say a prayer, say thank you, God, for another day. I go to work, I deal with my kids, I deal with everything I have to do. Come back, go to bed, oh, another day. Close my eyes, thank you, God, for another day, and go on and on and on. But when was the last time that we came back with a heart, of gratefulness and say, God, thank you so much. There's a couple of points that I want to ponder on this. And these are things that I think we should all reflect on it. The first one is, all the ten lepers obey the law. All of them knew that they needed to stay away and all of them shouted, unclean, unclean. They have the hairstyle that we talk about. They have to wear the clothes that we talk about. They all did that. They all were followers of the law. The ten of them begged Jesus to heal them. The ten of them have the same need. The ten of them say, we are desperate for something that you can do for us, God. 
We really need healing. We really need, we desire to get back to our families. I desire to get back to my wife. I desire to go back to my, my, my community. The 10 of them responded in faith. None of them say, oh, Jesus, you're sending us back. Oh, come on, man. We came because we knew, we hear, there was a lady that was bleeding for 13 years, and all she did was to touch your clothes, and she was healed. Can't you do, do, do that for us, too? But no, the ten, of them respond, the 10 of them responded in faith, and they believed they were going to be healed. The 10 of them were healed. Jesus did not count their hearts into this equation. He did not say, oh, the nine Jews are not going to respond, and you, Samaritan, come over here. You're already taken care of. I'm not going to do anything for them because I already know they're not going to be grateful to me. He didn't do that. He healed the ten of them. But one, only one of them, only one of them came back glorifying to God with a loud voice. Only one worshipped him and bowed down giving thanks to Jesus. And the one was a Samaritan that no one expected that he was going to do that. Beloved, the grace of Jesus is for everyone. But he's calling us to respond. How we do respond to him on a daily basis. Isn't him be so faithful to us in so many ways? I think we, for these past weeks we were talking about why revival carries. Why is it that we don't see the Holy Spirit moving in our lives and in the church and all that? I think this is something that we can complement to all those stuff that we've been listening to and learning about. And I think it's so important to really have the heart of worship, like we sang earlier, to say, God, I'm willing to bow down. I'm willing to surrender. It's more than just a position, a physical position, but it's about surrendering my heart, my desires, whatever I need, whatever I want, and do it what you want me to do. Obeying you and really saying you are truly the Lord of my life. Only one thankful man returned. However, he learned that his faith in Jesus had played a role in healing. And only grateful Christians and people that know who Jesus has done in them. Growing understanding of God's grace. You know, God doesn't demand us that we thank him all the time. But he is pleased when we do so. And he uses our responsiveness to teach, to teach us more about himself. That's the thing. Jesus is so good that he will continue to bless us. But he also, I think us, we need to come to him and say, God, I'm not just going to be pleased by asking, 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 asking. Give me more. Like if it was a soda dispensing machine and I just put a coin and I just get another soda, I'm thirsty, and I come back next Sunday and I'll do that. I am sorry, beloved brothers and sisters, but I'm calling you, I am calling you to open your hearts about this, to let God, to let Jesus be the one leading your life. Because there's nothing more exhausting than going back and around and around and around and not having this completely surrendering to God in your life. He wants to heal you. He can heal you. He can change your sins, your tears into joy, into peace. He can do all that. But are we 
truly coming to him with a heart of saying, Lord, please do that. This is a good moment for us to reflect and say, what do I need, Jesus? I need more of you. I really need more of you. Nothing else. I really need to seek your kingdom first and your righteousness and your just justice. I really need to put you first in everything in my life. Because if we're chasing something else, if we're going around something else, we're just going to get... We may feel that we're healed and everything is going well, we're prosper, we're blessed, but are we truly saved? Life is more than that. Life should be more than just accomplishing goals. Personal accomplishments. If you say, God, let me accomplish that so I can give you glory and honor to you, <laughs> I think the Lord will continue to bless you. But if you put it in another way, it's just going to go through the motions. I think this is so, so important. If your need today to be healed, restored, delivered, may well, I just want to invite you to place your faith in Him. I want to invite you to start feeling that you are an outcast, that you're feeling like, oh, from far away. Or I just want to invite you, He has blessed you so much. Just come back to Him and say, God, thank you. Let me share a little bit of my testimony. I show you my picture about that broken leg, and how God has used that in so many ways in my life. You know, I told you the story that I went to do this quinceañera and it didn't get the, the gratefulness that I expected, right? But you know what? Let me tell you, let me go back a little bit on the story and I tell you what happened three days after that first picture that I show you was taken. On the second day, I was still under the influence of the anesthesia, so nothing hurt, everything felt well. I decided to start doing some gardening the day after I had the surgery. My wife was like, really? Stop, you know? So I said, no, it doesn't hurt, but it will hurt. I said, she's a physical therapist, so she knows. And I was like, oh my gosh. Three days later, so I got the surgery on a Friday, and three days later on a Sunday night, I wake up at three o'clock in the morning with the most excruciating pain I ever had in my whole life. I can't describe it as if some kind of alligator was biting my leg. I never had that before, but I can't describe it. <laughs> that that was the kind of pain. And I was laying down and I started, it started hurting so bad that I practically prayed to God and I said, God, if this is going to hurt like this, I don't want my leg. Just take it out. And I tell you, when I sat down and I looked down, the moment I sat down, I saw the blood flowing under, on my leg and my leg just went like this. And I felt my heart like the palpitations in my leg. And I look at my toes, they turned purple and I was like crying and I started like saying, God, forgive me. I'm so sorry. And you know what? I've been a believer for over 22 years. But I was the first time in my lifetime that I was able to get a little glimpse of what Jesus did on the cross and the pain that he endured physically for the forgiveness of my sins. As I was crying and I was begging God to do something, 
my wife stood up, sat next to me, put her hand on my shoulder, and started praying for me. And I have an Alexa device, and I say, Alexa, play Amazing Grace. So Amazing Grace started playing, and I said, I was playing, and I was internalizing those words. I said, God, thank you for your grace. I know that you will heal me. I had a plate put with six screws and one screw across it. I was told I was not going to be able to walk normally or run or do things, that it was going to be a long process. 120 days of rehabilitation without being able to stand on my feet. I used to travel in mission work, working for a, a, a mission agency that was focused on development of Sunday school teachers all over Latin America. That all came to stop. I have to be grounded. And I was going through so many questions and say, God, where do you want me next? What do you want me to do? And God just say, I want you to stop. And you know what? I just got to say that he has been so good. Amen. He has been so faithful, even though I didn't deserve it. He just took care of me. You know, the most amazing part of this is that on August 14 of 2019, which is the birthday of my daughter, Carmina, the Lord allowed me to do something very special. Let me show you. Hey, Daddy walking, finally. Cooter stays there. And Cooter's not here because he's in... I love the voice of my wife in the back of the video. <laughs> I think I also have a lot to do. Like, oh, I don't have to do everything by myself anymore. <laughs> that is walking August 14, 2019, 120 days later after I got that accident. You know, that was not the only thing that the Lord did through that. When I went to that place on the quinceañera event, the following day after I had the nightmare in the hotel, they picked me up and they took me around to see the town. And as we were like going around, there was this guy that came over. He was like 27 years old. He approached me and he goes like, Pastor Oliver, I just wanna, I just wanna thank you. And to be honest, I didn't recognize him. I say, for what? And he pulls out uh, under his arm an old Bible, paperback Bible. And he said to me, you gave this to me when I was 11 years old. Oh, well, thank you. Sometimes you think what you're doing. You feel that you're not appreciated, right? But when you're doing things for God, when the Lord is using you for his might and for his honor and for his glory, he will never, rem he will never stop reminding you how you can be a blessing to others. All that sentiment and all the feeling and all that discouragement that I had was turning into a lot of joy. And I promised God, I say, this is the last time that I will ever feel ungrateful for something that you're calling me to do. 
sometimes we question God and say, why are you doing this? This is not what I wanted to do. See my condition. I cannot do this. But he say, I want you there. I want to thank all of you. And I want to thank Jesus for all the opportunities that he has given me through all these years to be able to serve him in ways I never thought that he was willing to use me. Last September, I was, last April of this year, I was informed that I couldn't continue working as a missionary in Latin America, helping Sunday school teachers. And I was very disappointed. They, I was told that my time needed to come to an end because of finances and other things. And I went through a very, I went through a place where I was asking God, why? You heal me. You allow me to do this. You restore me. You save me from all these things. I've been serving you with everything, but why are you doing that? And he said, at that time, he didn't say anything, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh. And I went into a very desperate mode. I started praying, God, you know how much I love you. You know how much I, I want to serve you. I know you never left me, never forsake me. You always provided for me. Just put me wherever you want me to, to be. Put me in the place that you want me to be used. And little by little, he started taking me away from that. And I went into all these questionings and say, oh, maybe I do this, I do that, I'll find another job, I do this. And out of the blue, honestly, with my hand in my heart, there was this door that was open. And God started putting a lot of pieces in my life and giving me a lot of peace. And then he's like, this is where I want you to go. And I was like, no, I don't want to leave California. I don't want to go that way. And he said, yes, you need to come. So the Lord has called me and my family to move to another state. But we're not moving because we don't like it here. We're not moving because we're not comfortable here. We are very comfortable. We're so blessed. We're moving because that's what God wants us to be. So I want you to pray for us. As we're going to be moving to Colorado Springs in January, where the Lord has called me and my family to serve with Focus on the Family. The most amazing thing is that I have had the opportunity to continue doing what I love, which is blessing families and children through the ministering of the God's word and equip equipment of leaders and parents in this case. We don't know how long is this going to be, if this is going to be a long-term season or it's going to be a short-term season, but we just want to let you know that we're very grateful. That I am very grateful for God's opportunities. And I'm very grateful for all of you. I'm grateful for Pastor Kerry and Melissa and all the family. It is, it is a, it's a bittersweet feeling having to leave a place that you love by going into a place that God wants you to be. And I feel kind of like the Samaritan. Just coming back to, to say, 
Jesus, thank you. I worship you. I surrender. I'll do what you ask me to do. And I know that you take care of the rest like you have until this point. So pray for us. Pray for me as I will be being in a, on, a, on a duty of going around the country telling parents about how they can raise their kids in a biblical way, equipping them and telling them that there is, a, there is hope, that they cannot, they don't need to mold to the things of this world, that there is a way, different way of raising their children. Pray as I do this among the Spanish-speaking communities in the country. God has a good sense of humor. Because last week, my wife and I went there, and I was shown my first assignment. And once we settle down in Colorado Springs in January, I got to come back to West Covina the following month. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that <laughs> you'll see me around for sure. <laughs> and I just, uh, yeah, I, I'm just very grateful. With this, I want to, before I close my, my message today, I want to invite you. I want to invite you to really experience what it's like to surrender your life to Jesus. I do not deserve any of the stuff that God has allowed me to do or give. But that's his will, and I'm willing to obey that will. And I want the same for you. I hope that today you'll be encouraged by this word. I hope that today you reflect on your own relationship with him. And I hope that today you will say, God, here I am. Jesus, here I am. I want to surrender to you. As I do this closing, I really just would like to open this altar and I would like to invite the priest and worship team. And I want to close this with the words that we find in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 14 to 16. John describes who Jesus is. And it says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him, and he cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I say, He comes after me, has surpassed me, because he was before me. That was John the Baptist, as he was announcing the coming of Jesus Christ. But I want you to ponder on this last verse as we pray and as I say it's a, the open invitation for you to come to the altar. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. God bless you. Let us pray.
just thank you so much. Thank you, Jesus, for this day and the blessing that we have of knowing that your grace is for all. Thank you, Jesus, because like what you did with the ten lepers, you have done it to all of us. Forgive us, Lord, if at times we have been forgetful, if we have not realized how good you have been to us. Change our heart. Give us your heart of gratefulness. Allow us to see, Lord, your glory in all situations. Let us be obedient to the calling that you have for each of us. For, Lord, you have not just restored us and healed us and make us new, cleanse us from our sins so you, we can go on and live our lives the way we please. But when you have done that for us, Lord, so we can do a life that pleases you, a meaningful and purposeful, purposeful life that declares that you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords, that there is no name above your name that there will be a time Lord there will be a day where every knee will bow down to you and recognize that you are Lord thank you Jesus thank you for being so faithful to us thank you for your love your grace your mercy thank you Lord for that let us come to you with a heart of worship. Let us come to you, Lord, with the desire of doing, Lord, your will. We surrender our lives, our jobs, our goals, our dreams, everything, oh Lord, to you, knowing that your will, your goal, your, your, your stuff is much better than ours. We thank you, Jesus, for that. I praise your name. And I pray all this in your beautiful name, Lord Jesus. Amen. The altar is open for whoever would like to come and worship the Lord.